seekers, explorers and renegades out there, welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. I'm sure you've heard of the Law of Attractions and uh, all the different systems and methods and practices out there to help attract what you most desire. And uh, as you will probably have noticed that most of these programs out there offer a quick fix solution to become wealthy, rich and uh, allow you to do whatever you need to do in your life, uh, traveling or whatever you have. Unfortunately, there is a little bit more truth to be revealed around this, these practices and uh, today's guest, uh, Mark Baldessar, um, certainly uh, takes a different tack on the law of attraction, which he actually calls the uh, universal law of creation or the law of transformation. I myself have found in my practice that uh, it's not as uh, simple as some of these practices make it out to be. Um, essentially, I found predominantly that if you can't believe that you're going to make a million dollars the next day, well, you are not going to make a million dollars the next day. However, if you have a firm uh, belief that you are going to do that and you can direct your focus and uh, attention to it and put that passion and energy behind it that's a different matter but for most of us we need to start out a little bit slower smaller steps start out with what we can believe in that we can put focus on and we can put our energy behind there is uh, so the the approach here is a little bit more left-brained uh, and mark certainly has brought about different analytical and more scientific uh, approaches to the uh, law of transformation to show you how you can build up the process to manifest what you want and of course at the end of the day the point is for you to manifest what you want and that doesn't necessarily have to be money or wealth or what have you it could be you know just a calm life or whatever it is that you desire in your life to live uh, it authentically and to the fullest potential that you're looking for. We use Mark's book Unleash Your Future as a platform for this discussion and uh, a lot of his theories are in this uh, in this book and that we bring forth in this discussion so I hope you will enjoy it and uh, we of course have our audience with us today as well so Mark, myself and our audience will have it discussion about uh, the law of transformation and uh, see what you can get out of it and uh, see what changes you can make to your life to live it to the optimal version that you're looking for. Enjoy. Um, the quote today, of course, it would be kind of rude not to <laughs> use the quote of an esteemed author. Uh, so Mark has, uh, and I think this was posted on Twitter, right, Mark? Um, I believe so. Yeah, so the, uh, is that the, a deep scientific explanation and understanding of how law of, uh, the law of attraction works, it not, it's not necessary to begin, begin using it successfully to manifest the things and experience, experiences you desire. And I think by that, you mean that it is not, we, we're already doing it. It's part of, what we do in life and that's how we experience things and uh, who I'm uh, directing this uh, 
question to is uh, Mark Boldazar, who is our special guest today. And we are very happy to have him here. He is uh, uh, very well known and esteemed in the uh, uh, manifestation space, if you like. He's a co-author of uh, uh, Unleash Your uh, Future and uh, also co-creator uh, co of uh, the new, uh, it's called the New Success. Uh, new Science of Success. New Science of Success. Thank you. Um, and you have 30 years of uh, 30 odd years of experience in uh, science and technology. So you come from a very right brain environment, right? Uh, yes. And uh, so it's all analytics. And now, obviously, we, we're touching up on the more esoteric and metaphysical here. So uh, it'll be an interesting uh, take to see how uh, the perspective you have on it. So welcome, Mark. Well, uh, thank you, Christopher. Uh, I really, I appreciate uh, the the invitation to be here. I was really looking forward to this. Um, well, well, I would say that I'm bilingual. While I do lead a lot of times with my right brain and scientific side, I am also very spiritual and metaphysical, and I, I like to blend the two. Um, but I, I, I lead with my native tongue, which is science. Absolutely, and I, I think a lot of people kind of start out that way and then they understand there's something more or they seek out the desire for that something more right um, and that's how we end up blending them too and trying to merge them to and kind of uh, find find a way to translate one to the other and then back again right absolutely i think um for me kind of leading in that science way at times is really about trying to figure out a framework and structure and a formula about how things work it kind of makes it more accessible. It's not meant to ex explain away or discount the whole 360 perspective at which you can come to something. But you know, when I first came to learn of the law of attraction and started to, to, to read about it in books like Think and Grow Rich and watching movie The Secret, I immediately went back to what has been part of me since I can ever remember, which is I want to know how something works and the how something works. If it's going to be repeatable and, uh, and reproducible, it really had to come down to, there's gotta be some way to engage this. So even when we, when I, the website that I co-founded with Takara Sheeler, my co-author, the new science of success, the science is not about, and it goes back to the quote in the beginning. It's not about the science of how do thoughts become things, right? There's a, there's a lot of scientific research out there, but if I told everyone in the audience say exactly how that works, it wouldn't change the fundamental question for you, which is, well, how do I engage it? And so the new science of success is more the, the science of process improvement and engaging processes um, to make them work for you. So um, that, that's, that's the really primary science, but I do start with the scientific mechanism of uh, of how I propose that the law works, which is a bit different than the way others describe it. Yeah, and I, I, I have uh, finished reading your book and I uh, took some time to read it quite carefully because it, it is it does hold a lot of uh, uh, truths that I've discovered on my own as well. And uh, so I could really appreciate your um, approach to the the whole idea of manifestation and uh, uh, and i do understand the the reticence of using the term or the law of attraction terminology it's kind of been 
trashed a little bit uh, in the uh, uh, in the public's eye, as in, you know, it, it's this kind of idea of get rich, uh, rich quick scheme uh, type of uh, concept, and it's uh, there. There is so much more to it than that. So I, uh, you've talked about law of transformation, but you also talk about the universal law of creation in your book. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit more about where you came to that? That kind of a conclusion. Yeah, I think um, you're, you're absolutely right. There's so much misinformation out there and misperceptions about the law of attraction. And um, uh, it and you see it everywhere, right? So it the in the kind of pop culture, everybody wants to, to get things quick. They want everything to happen fast. So you see a lot of this misinformation out there where, uh, well, if you do this, uh, you're going to have a million dollars and overnight and really, and, and while the secret didn't promise that it kind of left me with that, this feeling of, okay, now, now what? So when I first started thinking about this and listening to the explanation of, you, you know, you think, and then you attract like things to you immediately as a scientist, I went to, it doesn't work that way in science. Like does not attract like opposites attract, right? So I had to come up for me with a mechanism that which made more sense to me. And I thought about it more as a transformation of energy. So everything is energy. So the thoughts and, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about it. It's, it's more than thought. It's also a few other, a couple other components in terms of which we program the law of attraction, but this, this energy of unseen programming of what we're, we're, we're beaming to the law of attraction in the universe from our minds and hearts um, and beliefs, it then is transformed in a way which is yet not yet fully understood. There's a lot of work going on. And then it ends up in our existence in our material form uh, as our reality. And so that's a transformation of energy of unseen to the seen physical matter. And yeah, that's where I talk about energy and frequencies um, you know, matter is just energy vibrating at another frequency. So that mechanism makes, makes more sense to me. And we are very familiar in life with transformations of energy. Electricity is the greatest example. You turn on your lights, that energy started as generally as some other form. It could have started in a coal fired plant. So you, you fired us up from that heat, you create a turbine mechanical to electrical it could start as wind, it could start as solar. So with that in mind, that I could then approach this in a way that, that made more sense to me and then made sure that there was a, an element of action required, right? You, if you're going to make a law work, if you're going to make any scientific law work, you have to act. And one of the big misconceptions around the law of attraction is you just kind of sit back and wait for it to happen. And I had this interesting experience last week. My oldest daughter, she's a, a junior in university. And she's her dad. I was I was in a psychology class today, and the professor brought up about the law of attraction, and he was making fun of it. And he said, "Oh, it's just this thing that people think you think in your minds." And he and she's there. You'd be proud of me because I stood up and said, "Well, there's a lot of people that think that, but that's not the only thing about the law of attraction." Which then led them to have a much deeper conversation, and he was very open to hear. Oh, I didn't really know all that, right? So I think there's a large, and this saddens me. There's this large part of the population that sees it as this. It's not real. I'm going to discount it when, in fact, it's the main thing that that drives how what we experience. Yeah, I mean, a simple, simple thing to look at is you talk about the attraction between people. Right. And what is it that draws you to a certain person? Sometimes it's that I don't know. It's just that something. Right. 
So just because we don't understand it doesn't mean that it's not real, it's not there. And I, I think it's a very poignant uh, quote you have in your book that, uh, you know, we electricity was always there. It only took us, you know, till the 20th century to discover it. Right. No one invented it. It was discovered. Uh, and that's the same thing, you know, the uh, law of gravity, uh, one of the universal forces of the, the universe, uh, you know, was discovered in by Isaac Newton. It was always there. It wasn't never not there, because if it wasn't, then we would be all flung. <laughs> we wouldn't be able to stick to this, uh, this planet. So, so yeah, that, that kind of also goes back to in terms of science, you know, uh, belief is only non or non science is only science, non science until it becomes science until someone discovers how to measure it, how to uh, kind of replicate it in a controlled formula and so forth, uh, right? Yeah, I think um, what, what you're describing, Christopher, is that science most often starts on the theoretical side. Mm -hmm. and, then, and, and it can be a long time until it can become physically proven. Right. Almost every great discovery has been theoretical. And, you know, it, uh, even today, you so say like, OK, there's branch theoretical physics, things that can't be, you know, um, yet physically proven in experiment. You know, like there's lots of people like CERN and Switzerland. They're looking for the God particle. Right. There, there's theoretically this thing that's happened. And and it's just a theory until it's proven. And then there are competing theories. Right. In any part of science. So what I'm offering here is really, um, you could say it's the theoretical branch of the law of attraction, right? And a lot of times these theories, they, they sit over or start in metaphysical side or in a you know, spiritual side, right? I mean, there's not really in my mind a difference between the, um, the science and the spirituality and the metaphysical. It's that what today may be metaphysical, tomorrow may be science because it's been physically proven. Oh. And that's that's the continuum of, of the way it's always been, right? You know, back when, you know, uh, Copernicus and Galileo were figuring out the universe and they say, well, look, you know, the earth is not the center of the universe. The sun doesn't revolve around the earth. The earth revolves around the sun. No matter who, the church or anybody else who wanted to say it was otherwise did not make it so, the science. And, and so it's through time that, and that we do experiments. And so with the law of attraction, it, it moves from theory to reality only through your personal experimentation with it. I, I could, I'm not here to try to um, convince anybody of its existence, but only to show the path that you can do the personal experimentation to prove it. So then once you prove it, then you can become intentional and really take off from what you experience. Because as you said earlier, you're always doing it, right? So, you know, you could understand like your deepest scientific explanation. It doesn't change the fact that you're always, um, um, working with the law, just like gravity. And the real key to success is knowing what that is so that you know how to make it work for you. Yeah. And I think that is so important for anybody who wants to become the, the, the orchestrator of their own life is to look at all of these other things like, you know, our Wi-Fi signals or electricity or gravity, you know, these things that exist without us consciously thinking about them or knowing about them, uh, they do still exist. So what, what's the 
And we, we can look from a, a psychology point of view, a lot of the aspects within uh, law of attraction or law of uh, creation uh, have elements that we can look at uh, psychology or scientific aspects from uh, psychology and say, oh, okay, this comes from that. So the, there are a lot of things that we can uh, look at in terms of the scientific approach as well. But then, of course, there is the element of the the uh, coincidence, as it were. You know, how did that fall into place in that way? Um, and that's the part we can't yet explain, right? Well, I think at times when we um, this is where um, hypotheses and the theoretical come in to kind of what you know we we come up with explanations, and we may only be able to empirically prove them which means I'll do an experiment, I'll see a result, and I can postulate this is what's happening. That's what I've done most of my career as a scientist. I, I spent probably half of my 30 years in manufacturing environments where really scientific principles are put, put to use to make a product, to run a process, which ultimately goes out and serves a value for the end customer, makes money for, for a company. And this is where I say at times people will get caught up. Oh, well, I, I don't actually think it works that way. Okay, well, your empirical results tell me it's not working your way. And there's a lot of times there's resistance. I, and I think this also comes up in the law of attraction. It's like, well, you can't prove it to me. And maybe I don't want to take responsibility for everything that's happening in my life. And so until that proof comes, I'm just going to say, no, um, uh, it only... Um, I'm only responsible for the good. I'm not responsible for the bad. And it's like, okay, you can tell yourself anything. And I, I've, I've seen this in, in just really simple science in, in manufacturing where people don't want to have it be that way because they just want to keep doing what they're doing, right? Because it's easier. And, and so they run, they live the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I mean, I still have a, you know, I still get paid today to go back and consult with companies who still are living that, that, that same kind of um, uh, hamster wheel loop, right? Of just not saying, boy, if I just took this leap and just took this simple mechanism, which has been proven over and over again, but, you know, maybe if it's proven a thousandth time, they'll finally believe it, um, things can change. And so that's why I say here, I really can't, or none of us can really change the mind of someone else. It's like how many times or how many different ways. So I really feel like I'm bringing a new way of explaining this. And maybe that will speak to people that that's what's going to tip them over the edge to see, ah, I got it. Now I can really take off and become intentional because I understand it finally at another level. Yeah. So uh, that's a good segue into uh, some of the, uh, the tools that you have and, uh, uh, you kind of you start off uh, right off the bat in the book with the uh, comparing the law of or law of uh, creation with uh, uh, fire. Uh, you know the the three elements that you need for fire, right? The heat, yes. oxygen, and fuel. Yes. Um, and and uh, in terms of the uh, law of uh, creation, that is belief, focus, and, and energy uh, intensity. So you want to talk a little bit about that and see. If, uh, kind of put those pieces together and uh, show how it works. Yeah, this goes to like what I was uh, uh, referenced earlier, where it's not just thought, thoughts become things, there's, it's more than thoughts. And sometimes you'll, I mean, you out there, you could read and see all these elements talk by 
by various individuals. Sometimes people are focused on thought. Then someone else will say, no, it's really the energy in the heart that's most important. And others say there, there's belief that's important. And it's really all three. So it's like the fire triangle. Like if you, you want to create a campfire, you have this beautiful pile of firewood, right? Yeah. And then it also needs oxygen and energy or spark to create a fire. Like I'm not a boy scout. So if I don't have a match, I'll have the oxygen in the air and the, and the pile of wood, but I'm not going to create a fire by rubbing two sticks together or putting a magnet and beaming and but you need all three, right? So you won't have a fire. So it's the same way. So I like, there's a five-step formula that, uh, that I've come up with with Takara on the, how you program, how the law of traction works. But the first three parts of that are what I will call kind of the, um, the mind manifestation program, which is really thinking of the law like a computer. And your job is to, is to program it, right? And your program consists of the focus on the experience that you want to have. And, and that's like the firewood. And then this belief that it's personally possible for you, that's the oxygen, not belief that the law will create it. You have to believe that it's possible for you. And that's where there's a lot of inner work that at times needs to go on because we have all these limiting beliefs. And then this passion or energy that's associated with that thought. Now, when you're random, random, right? We so often are programming out of fear. I'm so afraid I'm going to lose my job. And I believe I'm going to lose my job. And that's the strongest program you run. It's like, you're just like, I like to think about this back in the old days of the floppy disks, right? Yeah. This square floppy disk and you plug. So in my mind, I think here's this triangle and I'm plugging it right in the computer. And then the computer is like a 3d printer. It's hooked to a 3d printer. So what you just programmed in, in your floppy, floppy triangular program, right? It then prints out in your reality. And it doesn't care. It works in absolute values. It doesn't care if you're programming what you don't want, what you do want, right? And I'll say this, um, uh, and I've mentioned this to you before, Christopher, where people say the universe, it's conspiring in your, to your benefit. The universe is impersonal. It's neither conspiring for you or against you. It's very reliable, repeatable, and methodical. And when you know how it works, you can conspire for or against yourself by how you program um, the law. Well, it conspires to give you what you are asking or the opportunities to experience things that you send out. So from that perspective, yes, it is conspiring in your favor. Uh, but what, you feel, what you're sending out might not be consciously what's in your favor. Uh, I think of it more like driving a car. Yeah. Like the universe is like your car. I can get in. I can take it anywhere. I could take it down a dead end alley or I get myself in trouble or I could take it to the greatest. I'll take it to Disneyland, yeah. you know, like, so it, it's, it, it, because here, this, I think is really important. We, and it's, we do it in religion and spiritual. We like to personalize concepts, right? So when, when people think, well, the universe is for me, it's like personalizing the universe. Mm -hmm. And as this is when I lead with my science foot, Right. The universe is more, if it's personal, then it's almost like it's deciding one thing or another, right? You're deciding. Like, yes, it, like, so if, if you want to think further back to the, the creative energy or the creator, you're here to, you know, in my mind, experience the greatest thing that you can be, but you have free will. So you can decide to, to experience less than. And to me, the growth and the ultimate movement towards this greater place is really on learning that 
There's no one on the outside. There's, there's you with this creative force that's been put here for your benefit, but you're almost blinded to it and you have to discover it. And that may take not just this lifetime, but many lifetimes to figure it all out. Yeah, and I think if we look at uh, those three elements, the belief, focus, and uh, energy intensity, uh, then the, the all work that we have to do on an individual basis, you know, to, for example, on belief. Uh, one challenge I had with uh, law of attraction uh, systems before uh, was exactly that, because, you know, I couldn't quite believe that I was going to have, you know, 10 million pounds in my bank account because it was too far of a stretch, right? Yep. Uh, so you start out with what you have a capacity to believe in. Uh, so what, what the constraints are in terms of your limiting beliefs that you start out there. Ken Honda talks about the receptacle and it's essentially how much energy do you have within your sphere that is not controlled by uh, limiting beliefs how much can you believe and the more you re release that the bigger that receptacle becomes and the the more you can uh, can then uh, attract right yeah i mean I, I love that model about the size of your receptacle i i often describe it this way when i was young you know i we lived in a mountainous area of pennsylvania there were a lot of natural springs water springs and i would go with my dad there's we we would go to the spring and um collect water because it just was so much better to drink than the tap water we had in town and you know you could take away as much as you wanted but you could only take away as much as the size of the containers you took if i took a glass i could only take away a glass but if i backed up a water truck i could fill the truck Right. And that's the same way with the law. What what is it that you believe is personally possible for you? And the so this is why what you were talking about earlier. So many people hear about the law of attraction, they'll immediately say, Well, I just want to manifest a million dollars. Well, you don't, most people don't really believe that they're gonna have a million dollars and they're like testing and say, Oh, see, it didn't work. So they're, they're, let's just throw that law out. When in fact, when broken down in these components and you can see that there's work to do, you can just set yourself goals and expand your container size. Your energy can expand to this place you want to be. And it's not immediate. So if, if you're looking for the immediate quick fix, this explanation is going to disappoint you. Now, what is possible, it's theoretically possible to do this kind of manifestation, but the like if you would say like hey master manifestors you know like i would say like okay well jesus i feel like was a master manifester well he he had far less limiting beliefs and all these other things that are going on so if you gotta think about it it's it's unrealistic to think with all your limits and that that you're going to be you're, you're going to immediately do this and i like to use the sports analogy of baseball um Hey, you, the game's the same. And you soccer, football, it's the same thing. The game's the same from the first time you step on the field and play it till you're playing at the highest level in the world. The difference is you work on skills and the, those who really put the work in and develop are the ones who end up at this professional level. So it's really unrealistic to think that the six-year-old 
who steps up and hits the ball off the tee or kicks the soccer ball for the first time, right? That the next day they're going to play at the highest level, baseball, the World Series, step in the batter's box, 95-mile-an-hour fastball, one swing, hit a home run. It's not going to happen. And it's the same thing with this law. We want things to happen so fast, and we're not willing to take the responsibility to understand we have work to do before we can really start to um, create the skills and develop in a way at which we can intentionally manifest. And it may take time, but we may have to take steps. Yeah, and I mean, that's the work we do within ourselves to uh, develop the skills and the tools and the practices to work through those limiting beliefs because, you know, they, they do come from that core wounding that we talk about in the infinity life. Um, and once you can release those and release those energy blockages within you, then that beliefs uh, or the, A, the belief in yourself that you can uh, be the co-creator of your life or the creator of your own life will be there because you will have a completely different perspective on your life. And the negative self-talk is not going to be there to kind of pop the balloon every time you come, <laughs> you come up right. with some, some good idea, right? Yeah, I think what, what you're talking about, Christopher, is it, it's, it's really important. Every program, like so we think about them programming, right? Every program for what I want has its shadow program that's the exact opposite. Yeah. And which ones are, are, are you really believing? So for me, when I was um, miserably successful in the corporate world at, towards the end of my corporate career, my program for being out on my own, uh, making my own schedule, all that was very weak. But the counter program of me, like staying in the corporate world, being miserable, and that was going to be my existence was very strong. So one of the things that um, with these uh, triangular programs is you can quantify that. And I'm really big on, on the science side is measurement. And I believe like, you know, I always say you can't improve what you don't measure. So you can put measures to these thoughts and you don't have to really make this complicated. So if you say, okay, I have this thought of what I want, right? Well, how strong is your focus on that? One to 10. How strong is your belief? One to 10. How strong is your energy? One to 10. And you multiply the three sides, you get a number, right? Well, that my, at the time, back many years ago, the strength of my program for leaving the corporate world, and I have these numbers there in the book, was really small. The strength of my program for staying in that misery was very great. So it's like, okay, that's, I was telling the universe over and over and over again, that's what I wanted. And so when you can see these programs and put them on paper and look at them, you can say, okay, now I see it. Now it gets, where am I, where do I need to do the work? Maybe it's focused. Maybe you don't really know what you want and you just, oh, okay, well, maybe it's this, right? So maybe your strength is, of that thought is not so great. Or maybe you're, you know, but most often the first place, the weakest link in the program is on that personal belief. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, can you just go through that uh, formula again? Because I, I think it is really useful for people to sit down and look at their own lives and say, okay, well, what, can plug these numbers in and see what the potentiality of, of uh, change is uh, with their current mindset. So can you uh, just go through that again? Yeah. A bit more Absolutely. Teacher, so, teacher way. <laughs> yeah. So the program, the three components of the program, just like the fire triangle, are the focus thought of the experience you're trying to manifest. 
And so you can um, scale that from or score from one to 10 on really the intensity or how often you think about it. It's like, hey, man, I'm completely focused. It's a 10, which really almost no one can do that. So it's not going to be that. Or it's like, well, yeah, whenever it comes into mind, I think about it. So it's one or two. And then the strength of your belief, right? So if you have this, man, this like, let's take the million dollars. Well, what's my belief that the million dollars is going to come? Well, really zero. So my program for this is going to be zero no matter what else is going on, right? And generally speaking, if you have a really low belief, you're probably not going to have a lot of intensity on the scale. So again, your belief one to 10, it might be, hey, I believe I can go out and cut the grass. Well, it's a 10, right? I'm pretty sure I know I can have that experience, right? So that, so just to give you the, the sense, but it's not um, on all these sides. So that's the second part. Don't overthink the number, just put them down. And, and if you're doing that the same, it's all about looking at these programs relative. And then the third one is this energy, it could be passion, it could be fear, anticipation that it's associated with this experience. Again, one to 10. So I think one of the things, and so if you just start out and say, just take the top three, four, five, six feelings or thoughts that are generally running most through your head and start there. And a lot of times you may first see it in the, uh, in the feeling. Like I have this fear, like I said, it's like a lot of people, we, we run off of fear programming so often. So if you're, Hey, I'm, a, I'm afraid I'm going to lose the, this job. Okay. Well that what's associated with that fear, the thought focus of losing the job. Well, what's your belief? Oh, well, my boss hates me. I'm, I'm going to lose my job. I may rank all the six, seven, five and come up with a number that's like, you know, 500. Well, I, now compare that to another program, you know, so that was kind of the number for me of needing to stay in the corporate world, really high number versus, going out on my own really low number. So if I put those together and then you take those three or four or five thoughts, draw the, the triangles in relative size to each other, you're going to immediately see like a picture is worth a thousand words. It's like, oh, that's what I'm telling the universe. And it's, it's really simple, but most of the time, and it's not just in this world, I see it in the corporate world all the time, we're reluctant to stop and think and take the moment to put the measure down so you can get the picture. And it's like, you can't, and just the way in, uh, if I'm managing a process, if I can't see the picture, a lot of times it's charts and graphs and try to run it by, oh yeah, I just know it, it, it doesn't work. You, you're, you're random, you're all over the place. So it's really important, this piece of, of quantifying where you're at, the current state of where your thoughts are at. Yeah, and I, I think it's in terms of playing around and experimenting it is very, uh, it's a, an excellent formula to use so you can say okay the million dollars i have zero zero uh, I, I don't think i can uh, achieve that right. so i don't believe that so that's a zero okay well a hundred dollars can i believe that can i can i try to manifest that or a specific number um okay so well i have a great belief in that so let's focus on that right and yep. the next time, well, now I manifested that hundred dollars. Can I manifest that five hundred dollars? Now you, now you, proven to yourself the first one. Well, let's step it up a bit, because now you can. Now you believe that you can do a hundred. You can believe you can do a hundred several times over, right? So let's exactly. step it up to five hundred, and then perhaps a thousand, and then two thousand, and then 
before you know it, your receptacle and your belief in your ability to manifest these things are going to have amplified up to a million. But it's taken those steps up there. And I think this formula is, is brilliant to allow you to test out different scenarios that is going to work for you, right? Absolutely. And you can, when you're doing that and you're building your way there, you can always check in. And if you're honest with yourself, see where, where you're at and what the progress that you're making. And really, we laid it out this way in the book because there are many, many people out there, you know, people like you, Christopher, and there, there, there's Barbie, and there's so many others out there who have something to offer you, right? It might be, where, what do you need? Like, I, I don't sit here and say, hey, I think really the only way to do all this, you, you come to unleash your future new science of success, it's the only way. No, it's a framework of a, of a different kind of explanation. So yeah. then you can figure out, hey, what does Christopher have to offer? I, you know, it's like, in, like to, to help me with this. So it's like in sports, these guys have, and, um, and Barbie was talking before we got on here about the new psychology of, of winning event that just went on this weekend with the uh, Los Angeles Tribune. And there were a lot of discussion in that group and it was focused on winning about these things. Even no matter where you are in life, these high level people have coaches. Well, those coaches are helping them learn things and are not the same, right? It's not one coach who knows everything. Like if you're in baseball, you have a hitting coach and a pitching coach and uh, running any, anything in life you look at all. And that's you, the beauty of putting a number is it's kind of marking your progress, but enables you then to say, well, what is it that I need? Do I have trouble focus? You know, do I need to learn how to meditate? Do I need to do this? Do I have, you know, what my limiting beliefs and that's, to me, what is uh, one of the, the the goals of the system was to provide a, a way for you to see, well, see forward and how to develop. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's uh, also, we, we've talked a little bit about uh, the nine veils of, or we haven't talked about it, but elements of the nine veils of illusion that you talk about in the book as well. Uh, and one I want to highlight there is the attachment to the outcome. Uh, so I, Usually when I talk about manifestation with my clients, I talk about focus on the what's and the why's and leave the, uh, the house to the uh, universe because uh, the house is what you attract when you uh, focus or you just hold that energy, right? Um, but the, in terms of your process, the attachment to the outcome and expectations, what is the function of them? What is the detrimental function of them in the process? Well. If you're attached to an outcome, generally speaking, we could only see an outcome that the, out, the only outcome we can see is conceived from what we've experienced in the past. So the, there could be a way that you think would, let's say, um, um, to, to make this money. There could be a way because it's the only, uh, this is the only skill I have. So it must be yeah. this way versus it, it's not, um, it may not be the best way. So you, you could, you're so focused on that versus, well, if you step back and say, hey, I, I'm, I'm trying to, why, why are you trying to manifest a, um, whatever the amount is, if it's money, right? Well, well I need to, to do this. I need to pay for that. It's like, okay, no, really, if you keep digging deeper. So for me, like I was, when I was looking to leave the corporate world, it, it wasn't like, I just want another job or I just want to do this. It's like, I wanted, when I really broke it down, 
I want, it, it comes down to a feeling. And for me, it was freedom. I wanted the freedom to be, um, to work with the people I like to work with, to do the type of work I wanted on my kind of schedule. So I also had the freedom of time, discretionary time to spend with my family. I wanted to go to my kids' sporting events. I wanted to do these things, right? So in, in doing that, I could have said, well, I'm going to do that by, I want to manifest this kind of other career. And I think in that kind of career, I'll have more time versus manifesting freedom. And when you, when you manifest at this more unattached or detached level from the outcome, it enables the universe to show you possibilities you wouldn't have seen, particularly if you follow what is the fourth part of the formula, which is action, but more importantly, intuitive or inspired action. When you kind of tap into this intuitive sense, which is bringing in information from beyond, beyond what your experiences of the past are, it starts to move you in a slightly different direction. And if you, if this direction is you and your experience and you just take a little intuitive action, well, the further you go out, they get wider and wider apart and you're in this whole other world. It's like, oh, I would have never thought I could, I would have never thought that would have happened. Right. And that's been my experience. Those actions you just keep it keeps showing you new doors and if you're attached to the outcome you're only focused on one door and if that's not the door you know and sometimes you're so afraid that that door is not going to open that your counter program becomes bigger than your program of what you're trying to create yeah no for sure and it's that um, belief in that this is the only way of doing it Right. As you say, it's your, your past experiences. So you, you limit yourself by it's like a racehorse having blinders on uh, so that you can't see <laughs> the opportunities of uh, going somewhere else. It's only that goal. In, uh, I'll, tell, I'll give you just a simple example. And this was as I was you know, working through with this law um, many years ago, my uh, my daughter, she was uh, a horseback uh, rider. So she was a Western gamer. She barrel racing and other things. So we owned a horse um, and she was quite successful with the horse. And the horse's name was Dasha. Dasha then um, developed the problem with her leg. So she couldn't race anymore. Well, and she couldn't be ridden anymore. So if I listen to everybody around the barn, they'd say, oh, you're going to have to put Dasha down, right? Because nobody wants a horse that they can't ride. Well, I just said, okay, wipe that away. And I, I programmed one simple thing to the universe. Just find Dasha a home where she'll be happy. I didn't allow these things to come in. Within two days, a family called us, young family. They had a couple of young kids. And the woman said, we're, we're really looking to have a nice horse on the property. They had a big farm. Um, you know, we have a couple other animals, some pigs, some sheep, and they just all roam around. And we just really want our, our, our young kids to be, become comfortable around the horse, right? We're not worried about riding the horse. Well, it was a perfect home for that. Dasha got two more years of life on that farm with those people. And I have this picture, this beauty, and it's, it's up there. You can't see it. Dasha on the farm, kind of just running through this little creek. It's like, okay. Okay. That was me. Not, I didn't say, oh, okay. Well, may, maybe if I thought about, well, what way who might want a horse, right. I, I would have never come up with that answer. Right. Right. And so yeah. that was the program and it, and it immediately, well, you know, not immediately, but quickly manifested. I just let it set it and forget it. 
Yeah, so that, that is the... Do you mind if I lift that? Yeah. That is the uh, focus on, or the uh, bringing the feeling in, right? Yes. So the feeling of relief in your case that you yes. don't have to put it out, the relief of knowing that, uh, you know, the, the compassion or the empathy that uh, she is now uh, able to run free. So the, the feeling, if we don't, so take the feeling of freedom, for example. If we haven't experienced the feeling of freedom, how can we manifest freedom if we don't know the feeling? How, how can we go about doing that? Well, I created a focus on that. Right. I had a focus of what freedom was. Right. Because you know, freedom in its grandest sense is pretty big. But I had a very specific vision that I held in my head for years. And it was the feeling of the first Monday morning when I did not have, when I was free to do my own thing. I wasn't, I didn't need to go to an office. I didn't do these things. I didn't need to go anywhere, right? Only if I chose. That feeling was I had in my mind this vision of that first Monday morning that I woke up and it's like, oh, I don't need to try to work out at five o'clock in the morning because I got to work out before I get to work. I don't need to worry about when I'm going. I can just take my time, read, meditate, have a cup of coffee. That was what I focused on. It had nothing, you know, in one, at one level, it wasn't the experience of, hey, I want this job or I want this. That to me symbolized the freedom. Now, some people do it in Maybe they do it on a vision board and they do it in a picture. I'm much, I'm, I'm not very as, as visual. So the vision boards don't work with me in the same way, but that, that just the, you know, that, that picture of my mind that, um, that was just a feeling of that was freedom that morning. And that first morning that it occurred, it was, uh, and I'll never forget this. It was October, the beautiful fall morning, sun was out sat out on my patio, drank coffee till I felt like getting up. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, but th so that what you focused on there was really the antithesis of what you were then feeling. So whatever I'm feeling now in terms of being cramped in this, this position, I want to feel that. Yes. So it was... Uh, I want to feel how it feels to not having to go to work. I want to feel how it feels not to do this. So it was, so you, this is where you're looking at that absolute value, right? So you take, yeah, so that's like, you know, Christmas morning, right? Everybody, like so many people know what the feeling is Christmas morning. Hey, gifts and you're giving and, and that feeling it's the anticipatory feeling. So for me and my program of out being out on my own, that feeling, that was part of my program. That was a way for me to um, uh, program that third, that third component, that, that feeling, that, that's, that's where it came yeah. for me. And that's how I, I visualized it. I was, it was, so it was a total experiential thing, but it was tied to this. I now am, I'm, 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 able i'm on my own i'm living this life of i'm now i'll make my own way not the negative of i'm not working for a corporation because if i kept thinking i'm not working for a corporation the universe drops off the knot and thinks i'm working in the corporation so it was this bit i'm working on my own i can feel what this is what that feels like that first day like christmas morning and through time my belief 
went from low to high as I was taking actions along the way, networking with people. I could feel myself believing that more. And as I believed it more in the program became stronger than it manifested. Okay. Yeah, no, that's makes perfect sense. And it's a, it is a good technique for those that don't really know in this case, you know, what, what does it feel like to be an entrepreneur and be out there on your own? You know, most people think, oh, it's scary because you, you don't have the security of the job and you don't, there's a lot of uh, limiting beliefs in rather than say, well, it could be absolutely wonderful. <laughs> right right and for me like you're right so like the feeling was it's really hard to say like how do i generate that feeling for that particular experience right mm -hmm. but the but the feeling of what that experience gave me for the, these other parts right yeah. was that that's what that felt like to me and i and i would think about beyond that then to to augment that it's like okay i don't ever i don't have to worry about Oh, I got to leave work early to go to my, uh, my daughters to their sporting event. So I could just feel myself just going to that event, like with no worry about, Oh, I got to come to the office or I got to be looking at my, so like I, I had a few things, um, that were to me were the, um, the, uh, would be the outcome of that, that helped generate the feeling for the, for my focus, okay. which wasn't just like, Hey, I'm just elated to be an entrepreneur and consult. Right. Like that was that, you know, so sometimes I think it's harder for us to figure out how to generate that feeling. And that's why today, like the, the I, um, I really like the story of Santa Claus to, to, to bring this point home of the program, this thought, feeling and belief. So if you just think of a child in the story, it's like they got a really clear focus and they get to like when I was a kid, there wasn't the Internet. So you couldn't like so we'd get these catalogs you'd flick through. Right. So I'm thinking, thinking, okay, now I've, I've, I've thought and now I've decided this is what I'm asking for. I'm focused, right? I have a hundred percent belief, right? Santa Claus is coming. You know, when I, when I believed in Santa, there's no doubt. And I knew exactly that feeling of that morning. It's like the program is like, so if you can think about programming in that way, it's just so intense. And then it, and then it shows up. Now the whole part of, how did it occur? Right. I thought, okay, well, there's this guy and he's going to drop down a chimney. It didn't occur that way, but it didn't matter because it showed up. Right. So we, like, if it's sometimes people are debating about, you know, well, um, is it quantum physics, whatever it's going on. That's where I say in the quote, it doesn't matter. Like on Christmas morning, it didn't matter to me. I still love the feeling of Christmas morning after I stopped leaving Santa Claus. Right. Cause it's still that spirit. It's the same. It's just, Oh, that's how it works. Right. And someday down the road, we're going to say, Oh, that's how thoughts become reality. Yeah, it's the spirits of uh, giving and receiving. Right. And that, yes. that's quite a, an important part of the manifestation process as well. Believe, yeah, I mean, yeah, believing actually, that yeah. you, if you give, if you pay for something, that there is going to be funds that replenish that uh, space you left in your own bank account, as it were. Exactly, and what this, what it also points out is, we live in an abundant universe. So if you go back to that um, vessel size, right, the water spring, no matter what I take away. It doesn't, you can come up right after me. It's, it's not me take me winning there and, and expanding doesn't affect. It's not, Oh, well, I do that. So at your expense, mm -hmm. right. 
manifesting is always thinking about manifesting for you, but knowing that in addition to that, there's this example you can lead for others. And it's not about, I got mine. So, you know, that you have less. No, it's all there for us. And so what was really important for me and what came out and why the book's here is when I went on that journey to understand, to, to create an understanding of how you could engage the law of attraction. I didn't want to just do this for me and say, oh, now I know how to, like, I don't, I did it because I also wanted to share it. I love to teach, right? I mean, I do, I've done it with so many young engineers with the science. I love to, to, to share the, the knowledge. Now, the beauty about being out on my own is now mostly the students come because they want to know. Sometimes I've done a lot of teaching in my past where the student wasn't willing, right? But you're still trying to teach. And that's, you know, and that, that's where I say it, sometimes it gets frustrating. And while I was successful, I wasn't happy because you're not everybody, you know, you're, you're not in this perfect um, uh, give and take relationship, but out in the world now, people come because they want to be there. And I, I just love that feeling. Yeah. No, and it's, it is uh, that process of going through that uh, act of sharing uh, that generates a feeling, right? And the more, when you feel, get that feeling, you feel that gratitude for that feeling, then that gives you the opportunity to attract more of that. Uh, it's it's that idea of, you know, the universe has your back. Well, yeah, the universe serves up what you are uh what you're feeling because it says okay you want some more of that here you go so if you have that crappy feeling of discontent or whatever it is the universe says oh you like some of that here's some more exactly you when and that's such an important point because when you can understand that that's how it works and like it's just this snowball effect right the universe will create either one (laughs) right? It'll create the discontent ball or it'll create this happiness. And, um, and when you're in that flow of the happiness side, it not only is it like greatly beneficial for you, but think about all the people around you that get affected by that, right? These ripple effects that are all real. Like, do you want to create the ripple effect of this, this joy and positivity and manifestation, or do you want to create the ripple effect of, of fear and lack and, um, and unhappiness, right? I mean, we, we, we have a choice. And even if you're like, I don't want to do that, but I'm locked in it. Just know that you can always get off. You can get off the ride. You can stop the ride at any point if you don't like it. And this is why I always say it's about programming and reprogramming. Right. And I'm not. And, a, and that's a very simple statement. And I'm not saying it's easy, but if it and this is where I, I talk about, there's the, the second law of thermodynamics which is one of the laws of universe that actually does stand in our way of change. And the first law of thermodynamics is about energy and everything being energy. The second law of thermodynamics, which governs our universe states that a system, a person, a family, an organization seeks to be in its lowest energy state. And that means it wants to expend as little energy as possible, it would rather be scattered and chaotic. And as people, our lowest energy state is not having to think about or put in energy or effort to do something different. It's a lot easier. And this is why, you know, hey, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. It's easier for us to do the same thing over and over again. It's more difficult because we have to put in energy to do something new and different. 
So that's why I say that's the part where it's not easy because you have to overcome that entropy. But once you overcome that entropy in your new state, then you, you kind of settle back in. If we can think about that this way, it's not forever. But if you think like it's going to be quick fix, not, not easy, our universe isn't built that way. Right. So you'll be disappointed every single time if you're looking to do something and not have to put in any energy. Well, and the I feel the 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 tough work or the, the hard work is really doing the preparation for existing in that state of manifestation, in that state of flow that you know Mihai Chicks and Mihai talks about. Uh, that once you get there. It is smooth flowing because your 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 um, your perception of work is not going to be as uh, it's you're not going to look at it as tough. You're going to look at it as easy, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's you, you, and you have to put the work. You get there, and then this whole new vista opens up. And I've seen this so often um, applying other principles and teaching other scientific principles to people. What I say is there's a period of time at which your two worlds need to exist. This old way, you can't just like, I'm going to throw out the old way. I'm going to jump to the new, because then there'll be real chaos. So it's like, I have to maintain. And while I'm building this, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm building a new house then I'm going to move over and then I'm over here and it's, you know, and it's that period of time where you're trying to to learn this new and grow it that where there's extra energy, which is overcoming that entropy. And that's the part where people just look and they, sometimes it's like, but if you know what you just said, Christopher, is that this other side, it, it's the sunny side of the mountain. You are in this better spot and you can just look at all these examples. And there's many people, you know, like yourself and others who, who were there to help coach them and be their guide to get to that other side. You don't have to go it alone as well. No, no, that's that goes back to what we were talking about before. If you're stuck in this dead end job and you're not making a lot of money, thinking or believing that you're going to make a million dollars the next day by being an entrepreneur uh, is too big of a jump. The, the, it's a chasm, right? Yes. So as you uh, as you describe it now, you, it's that belief or taking small steps towards believing that that will then narrow the chasm so you can actually take a step over uh, quite comfortably. Um, then, as you say, you know, don't, don't throw out the, um, the uh, baby with the bathwater. You know, <laughs> you have to be able to see uh, the vision. You need to be able to believe in the vision. You need to be able to put the energy towards that. Uh, as in, you know, you need to be able to feel what it's going to feel to be there. So now one thing, one aspect that I talk about in my practice uh, is the uh, being able to control your thoughts, your word, or your words and your actions, because those are the only three things that we can control in our lives. So now a lot of people talk about, uh, you know, oh, if there's a um, if there's a bad emotion, just swat it away, like ignore it, and just try to think positively. Think, uh, try, uh, try to think positively. Uh, which I think uh, is, it's a false, uh, yeah, it's a false positive in that we, we need to feel the emotions, we need to experience the emotions, but the thoughts that come out or that are triggered by the emotion or the thoughts that trigger the feeling, those we can control. So if I have a feeling that comes up that is anger, say, so I'm, I'm at the start of this journey 
and really my the three feelings i know are you know sad happy and pissed off uh, now i feel that anger coming up instead of engaging with that engaging from my core wounding i can then observe that anger and say oh interesting i had anger coming up now that's a positive thought because you're now directing it towards uh, inquisition and engagement as opposed to oh i'm angry i need to defend myself right so in in this process i think that is really the work to allow all these emotions that are within us we know we have them within us because we get triggered once you're no longer triggered by anything then you're done you, you you reach the end of the line as were, you know? So, and uh, it is the more we can work through this and more uh, calm we then feel within our body, we can observe our own experiences from a perspective of non-judgment. So we don't judge them good or bad. They are experiences and it's just feeling that experience or feeling that emotion that then becomes part of our experience. So that then, uh, can, reprograms our subconscious to when we have an emotion come up the first uh, step of action is not to defend ourselves but to ask questions or to uh, just allow ourselves to feel that feeling right yeah I, I um that you're hitting on what is the core of the new science of success and so i think about this and again i'll lead with my 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 science process brain if, if you're monitoring a process, there's a, a, a something called statistical process control that just if you let a process go, it's going to kind of go up and down like this, right? And if in fact um, you, there's part of like, if you overcorrect, like if you overreact to something, you can make that go even more wild. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying about triggers, if we don't stop and think and we just react, we just make this process wild versus we have a point. It's not where we want it to be. Stop and say, okay, what just happened? What's going on? Why am, I, why am I feeling this way? And now what's the experiment? I can do something different. I always do this. I'm going to try that. And what's the result? And that helps us understand the, these triggers and these limiting beliefs so that we can take this process that's going like this and through understanding experimentation, we can make it go like this. We're not over, we're not, you're, it's like going from reluctantly um, reactive to productively proactive. Mm -hmm. And that requires you to stop and think and not just immediately fly off the handle and go do something. So don't just do something, stand there, right? And think before. And once you do that and you start to see this, then the world calms down. So if you're in a reactionary loop, you're not going to make any progress. But when you can take, you know, experiment, action, result, um, implement, learning, and just keep doing that, you're always going to progress forward. Yeah, and I, I think, unfortunately, a lot of people take that process and say, oh, okay, so when I, when I change my, my direction or my thinking, Therefore, I should also ignore the emotion. And I think that's a, a big mistake a lot of people make, uh, rather than saying, acknowledging the emotion and saying, you know what, 
it's perfectly okay to feel the emotion. But we are so conditioned within our society, you know, with boys don't cry and, you know, don't be so sensitive, uh, you know, pucker up, you know, uh, grow up or whatever it may be, that we're told that emotions and feelings are bad. And if we, if we express them, that we are not uh, safe. So it's not, you know, it's not no wonder that we all damaged uh, goods, as it were. And it's that work we have to do is really to build up our emotional intelligence by feeling these feelings and allowing ourselves to, to experience them. Uh, and that will then, once we can do that, and we build this emotional intelligence, basically a spectrum of emotions that we recognize it allows us to become more empathetic because we can recognize that emotion within others as well. But also it allows us to manifest what we want because now we have all these different emotions that we recognize and that we can tap into and evoke and say, oh, I want to feel this emotion. And then you, then you can then tap into that manifestation much easier. Yeah, I think you you know, when, when I listen to what you're saying there is, you know, in this particular, this, this bit about emotions and, you know, men like, okay, don't, don't show your emotion. Like, I'm not afraid to, to show my emotion. I never have been. I never really thought about it until I started, you know, more, more about in this world. But, you know, like if you, if you have an emotion that's coming up, it's like, it's a, it's feedback from your process. It's telling you something, right? And if we say, oh, I can't deal with it. I'm just going to deal with it this way. You're, you're not going after the root cause. So like if you take any process and you aren't going, it'll keep coming back and coming back and coming back until, until you deal with it. So you will not take yourself to a new experiential level or, or move your process to this new level. If the process keeps blinging at you that something needs to be taken care of and you ignore it because some greater oh well men don't do this uh, well who said that like i just i could tell you know when you know i i'm gonna this has to come out now to your point earlier if you just react your way out of it chances are that may not be the best way and you may have so it and through learning you can say oh i try, i mean i reacted it didn't turn out well okay well, what am i going to do next going to stop i'm going to think and we're just always learning and growing and and roll and rolling forward and this is a difference about living life proactively and intentionally versus uh, randomly and reactionary, right? Um, random and reactionary is going to give you chaos and you're, you know, be like, hey, life's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, right? But when I live uh, um, intentionally and proactively, then I can get that dark chocolate lint ball that I love the most that my kids will try to take out of that little bag of the assortment, right? I can go and buy a whole bag of those and then hide it from them because, you know, because <laughs> so, that's what I want. But that's, and that's just from being intentional. Like, this is what I want. I don't want to just have this random experience and there's a way and it just, and the only person that can make that happen is you, but there's a lot of support. There's all these people here that are listening. You have this community of support of like-minded seekers going in the same direction. And that's how we grow. Yeah, no, beautifully put. Thank you. Uh, wanted to talk a little bit about the actions and the, you know, how we go about kind of putting, so we've talked about the, the triangle of uh, focus, uh, energy, and belief. Um, and then also we have the formula of uh, dissatisfaction, vision, and uh, first steps to plan, right? Yep, and then uh, change. Yeah. Uh, so 
now we also have the actions and I know you talked about, you know, different ways of doing it and visualizing vision boards and all of that. Uh, and I wanted to talk to you about, I listened to Chris Evans on the uh, Virgin radio uh, morning show here this morning. And he, he was interviewing uh, Mel Robbins, who wrote the uh, five second rule and uh, mm -hmm. just came out with the high five habits. Now she said that the focus that we should not focus on the outcome or focus, we should not visualize the, you know, if you're doing a marathon, you shouldn't visualize the, the uh, crossing the finish line. You should visualize the, uh, you know, the blisters and the, uh, you know, experience all the challenges during the, the, the uh, manifesting what you want, because then you will be, when you come up against those types of challenges, you won't be so challenged as it were. Uh, now, she didn't feel that the vision board was at all useful and she basically said it was wrong. So, uh, I know I'm kind of throwing this at you, but uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the notion behind that. Yeah, I think that that bit about not looking at this place out at the end, it's like not like in the change equation in the book, the, the actions are the first steps of an action plan. Mm -hmm. And the actions in the formula are these particularly these first couple intuitive actions. So if you people say, oh, I'll create this action plan all the way out to the end. So in the marathon, I'm going to do this and it's going to be all the way out to the end, right? Well, it's all that actions. They're only built on what you already know, where when you start to take a couple steps intuitively guided, right? So when I fall, my greatest um, achievements and growth have come started from following my intuition to do something. And so often we discount that, that, that intuition. So for example, before I got out on my um, doing my things, there was a couple of years before that, I took this job internally that my intuition took me to take it was a plant manager job. I describe it in the, in the book, you know, yeah. it's always like, this is this big step along the way you got to do in this corporate life. I had, you know, some friends tell me, don't take that job over there. Right. It's going to be, it's going to be horrible. You're not going to like it. And um, I took the job because my intuition told me to take the job and they were right. Worst, worst time of my life. Worst work experience I had. Horrible. It was like going down a dark alley and having the, you know, being beaten up every day. Right. So I could have said, you know, and normally people who in that corporation who ended up there would get fired. But I, I, I took my mind and said, okay, I'm going to manifest a new role. And I was very, again, um, not specific. It's like, I want to work with people that I really like doing something I like in this. So it manifested this whole new position in the um, corporate innovation group where I learned about, I got to work with a whole new set of new technologies. Those new technologies and the things I learned are some of the core of what I actually do the most of in my corporate consulting, right? So that's like the if I looked at, hey, being out on my own, being this consultant was the uh, end of the marathon, <laughs> the plant manager job were heavy blisters along the way, yeah. right? But the guide was follow the intuition. And sometimes we think that every step of our intuition is going to be this, it's going to be this beautiful, sunny experience on the way to like just, you know, the, this even greater utopia, right? It doesn't always work that way. Oh. And, but when you can live in the flow and understand, okay, what am I taking from this, right? It's sometimes it takes a little bit of hindsight 
to say, oh, well, if I had not done that, this would not have occurred. And that's why I say, like, it's the first steps, follow the intuition. And unfortunately, when we're younger, too often um, society schools try to knock that out of us, right? Don't trust that. You can't see it. Well, what? because I can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. So, you know, I'll tell you something about the book here. A large portion of all of what I've brought through is came to me through my connection with the, the spirit world and my guides. I'd been writing about this, the information flowing in. I had notebooks and notebooks and notebooks full of stuff. When I went to write down to put it together for the book, 30 straight days I wrote for however long. It could be an hour, two hours, three hours every day. That just flowed out because I was in complete connection to, to something bigger than myself. That's what intuition is. And, and when we can follow that, it may lead to a blister, but you, you may need that blister to get to the, to the, to the sunny side of the mountain. Well, it's also the uh, suspending, ju- uh, suspending judgment. If you don't judge your journey, good or bad, you're just having the experiences and you follow that intuition, uh, then, you will, then you will be able to uh, go through those experiences and see them for what they are. So when you're looking at face value, when you're in them, you might judge them as being crap. But if you trust that, trust your intuition, you trust there's a bigger plan, then you might uh, be able to see the possibility of a great, uh, uh, bigger outcome. And it might be that you have, like in your case, Mark, you have to go through this in order to end up where you need to end up. Exactly. And, you know, it's like every experience is an opportunity. And I, I, I give this so often as I work with uh, particularly young engineers uh, out um, in these uh, in the corporate world and manufacturing sites. And, you know, I'd be, we'd be running an experiment and we'd say, OK, here's what, what we're, we're trying to understand something about this process. And you, you design an experiment, and you run, you get a result. And um, so often they'll say, well, that wasn't um, exactly what we expected to happen. So that was a bad experiment. I'm like, it's not a bad experiment. If I knew the answer, we wouldn't be doing this, right? We had already been. And so, so, so often, and this is that attachment to an outcome. It's like, oh, okay, well, I, I'm doing it. I want, want this outcome. It's like, and, and there's almost like this sense of, well, I feel more comfortable and grounded if I know what's going to happen. And it's like when you're on any science, any here, your journey with the law, you can't know. And this is where I I also talk about where people will say, I'm going to go to a psychic. I want somebody to tell me what the future is going to be. Right. And so often you'll get somebody go to a psychic, they'll tell them something and then they'll experience that. Oh, that psychic was right. What I look at is like, no, you just allowed the, the psychic to steal your identity and hack your program. They just created a program and you had a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you just, you just allowed someone else to program because if this, not if, but if you were just, and you're still questioning, if the law is real, that means every possibility is available, right? So let's say you go to a psychic, maybe they're tuning into your energy around like what they're, where you might be, Hey, they're feeling a possibility that you may be programming. And so they're telling you that. And it's now then that fuels you to make that program even bigger, even though you might not be something you want. Right. So you got to be really careful. But when you can understand it, it's like, well, a psyche can't tell me they can. They're they're looking at possibilies like me. Right. Well, it's the probability. And, you, you, kind of, you measure the probabilities of a particular 
line of events occur. Yeah, and you make it more probable if you allow somebody else to strengthen the program, yeah. right? It doesn't mean if that it it's strengthens it's your other belief. Way. Yes. You're strengthening your belief around yes. it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, uh, you know, I work with that, those types of uh, energies as well in my coaching uh, programs. And it's, it is part of, uh, it's that intu intuitive insight that you can develop. Um, and yeah, a lot of people don't believe in it, but you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, you know, it's something I use professionally and it helps my clients to believe that they can do what they need to do in order to progress and grow. Um, and at the end of the day, it's all always our choice as to what we do with our lives and what uh, opportunities we attract. And it's that superpower of choice. Once we realize that, then we also have to be, uh, we, we know that we have to be accountable for the experiences that we have because we know that we attract them. Exactly. I mean, I know for me, like I use my intuitive side and, um, as the years have gone on, like I've honed them more and more and understand them and have, have proactively engaged it to, to get um, uh, more usefulness out of it for me. Right. And, and we all have this and yeah, I, I think the, the sad thing is, and it's by, I use the term identity theft all the time. We allow so many other people to tell us what the way the world's like and program us and do all these things. Right. Um, and I, I guess it's more understandable when we're younger because we have so much trust and kind of teachers and parents and all these things. But as we go forward, it's like, well, just because, you know, my friend tells me something, it's like, why, you know, what should I put more stock in that than kind of what I'm kind of feeling? And if we can work through this and it's like, if you have a question, this is where experiments come in. We'll test it. You know, I have this intuitive feeling. I'm going to take an act and then I'm going to take an action off this and I want to see what the result is versus if I, I used to take an action by listening to others and allow yourself to build your trust, right? Because it really comes down to trust. We're all an instrument and have a connections to things that are unseen, right? And, you know, we're connected to a lot of unseen things. Like, why do we use sunscreen if we go to to the beach for a vacation because we're trying to stop this unseen energy from burning our skin. So, you know, why is it hard to believe that there, there are um, other unseen um, things available to us and, and great minds like Einstein and Tesla talked about, you know, where this information was coming, not just from their own physical mind here, but in this interconnection. Right. So, I mean, if uh, that just, to me, it's like, <laughs> That makes way more sense than there's just everything's concentrated in one one mind disconnected from each other. It just doesn't make sense to me. So, yeah, no, I agree. And uh, so I think we've worked through a lot of the aspects here, and I think we've given a lot of people different uh, approaches to uh, the manifestation process or the law of creation. So I wanted to open up if uh, anybody has any questions for Mark or. Any comments that they want to share, then uh, put your hand up and uh, we'll, we'll give you the floor, as it were. Because we were just thorough enough, Mark, that it's a stunt. <laughs> that happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, it looks like uh, everybody's. Oh, there we go. Barbie. Trusty Barbie. Let's go. <laughs> Hello. 
So I uh, would like to know, I'd really like for you to extrapolate on the idea of the pyramid that you were talking about, the focus of the fact that the idea that a lot of people are wanting to manifest things from a particular perspective, but they keep putting these thoughts out and putting these thoughts out. And you stated that ultimately your empirical data is something that ends up being the, the results of what you put out into your thoughts. And I think that's, that's the linchpin of where there's still some things of where I, I, even though I'm such an amazing manifester, it's still, that's the last piece and being able to find out how to not have those things that I don't want to broadcast out versus all of the things that I am. I think um, the first part of that is becoming aware of them. Right. And that's why I like to use the simple, take the, the, the things that, that are at the top of your mind and then on the triangle in the program is to score them, to see their size. And then it, and so as so often, as I've said, like what you're focused on, you have the shadow program that's built in our fears or limiting beliefs. And inevitably what I found is that part that's holding back is that this shadow program is stronger and it could be, you know, like for me, leaving the corporate world, my limiting belief for the longest time is, well, I'm a scientist. Like scientists don't normally go out and become consultants and have a successful career that way. They work for big corporations. And my limiting, that a big part of that was my limiting, limiting belief of how, of what I thought somebody with my background, the only way they can make money. And it took me a, a number of years almost brick by brick with a sledgehammer, knocking those bricks out. But I first had to become aware of it, right? So I knew it and it's like, okay, I got to work on this, right? So I think the first step is, is making it aware and then seeing where, where it's rooted, right? And so some of the things I did along the way to see that were to start to connect with others who made a similar kind of jump. What was their journey like? What did they do? So that through that discussion, those discussions, I could start to say, okay, I've made it now kind of more personal. I can see this, right? Oh, they, they went through these same things. So that just helped me knock the bricks out. So basically I was able to like strengthen, strengthen that belief, but that's where the work comes. And most of the time it's this personal work that we may not even be aware of because we've not allowed it to even come to the surface. We've held it back. Right. Or, you know, but there's so many things that can stand in the way. Thank you. Awesome talk for you guys today. Thank Thank you, Barbara. Okay, Grant and Karen, go ahead. Hi, Mark. I just wanted to acknowledge that everything that you've said on the program happens to be something that I needed to listen to. Um, I want to take away first that the law of attraction, the takeaway that I get is the law of attraction works for anything because you started out with the physical aspects, then you moved on to ideas and concepts, which are terrific. I happen to be in the same position that you were in before you made the jump. I'm actually... (laughs) In the same kind of, I'm going to say, in the corporate environment like you were, I'm in the service sector, and I'm getting all of these hints from different people that are telling me, you know, why are you still in 
the corporate world. You should be somewhere else. That's one thing that I really like about the law of attraction is you not only can get, yes, something for your bank account, something for um, confidence in yourself, things like that, but it can also help you connect the dots, you know, because uh, like I've seen before, and like you've mentioned, you know, something will lead you to someone who will lead to someone else who will get back to you, which somehow fulfills something that you've been thinking about in your mind. And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the uh, discussion. Everything that you touched on uh, was very meaningful, gave me a lot of ideas on what I need to do as far as action. So I want to thank you very much for all of your input. Well, thank you, Grant. Um, and, and hopefully you can see one of the things in the book, um, Takar and I wrote it with sort of paralleling our journeys with the law. So Grant, that you could see, like you could place yourself in this place w along the journey and see, oh, okay, I, I, I see where I'm at and, and I can move and I can use it um, to, to do what I want to do. And you hit on something else there about like these steps that occur when you have the fifth part of the formula is keep the faith to know that the law works, right? Not like, just like gravity. Like we don't have to remind ourselves that gravity works, but we have to keep coming back. And for some reason, remind ourselves that the law of attraction works, but keeping the faith of knowing just like gravity, if we keep taking the steps and sometimes, you know, when I took that job and I'm down this dark alley, you know, it's easy to wonder what the heck's going on. I didn't think it was going to be this way. Right. But you have the faith to know I, I, and trust that there's something here that I needed. And it's like, I needed to be there. And it wasn't clear for me until a year or two later. It's like, ah, now I know why I was there. So, you, you know, you hit on a couple of key points there, uh, Grant, and I, and I appreciate your, your feedback. Yes, and, uh, you know, law of attraction is not attracting money. It's attracting abundance, whatever you consider abundance to be. It is you are creating your experiences. So if your, uh, you know, your experience is to get to a certain place and you need to connect with certain aspects before you get there, then that's your journey. And that's part of that energy you hold inside too. So absolutely. Thanks a lot, Grant. Appreciate that. Rohit, go ahead. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Mark, thank you so much. So I do have this question. Uh, you know, uh, if I'm into this ripple effect of anxiety, fear, haste, and all that, and I'm aware about it, and I want to switch, uh, you know, to the mode where I'm making choices, you know, of joy, ease, flow, synchronicity. So what is, you know, that one single tool which I can apply on daily basis? Uh, can you bring out something on that? Yeah, I think um, the first step, because there, and I'm very big on, there's not one single tool that is right for everyone. And so the, the real question becomes looking deeper into what's got you in this fear and anxiety loop, right? Get, getting down to, 
if uh, this is where I like to ask the do the five whys. Well, you're feeling this. Well, why am I feeling this? Then why and why till you get deeper, and you personally kind of looking to to see that. Then you look out at the um, resources that are available to you to find the one that speaks to you. And again, I'll fall, uh, I'll, I'll use intuition. And uh, to give you a personal example, there was, I would hear all through my life about meditation, meditation. I'd sit and try to meditate. Okay, I'm going to try it again. I'm going to try it again. I'm going to try this tool, everybody. And what I found was the way, the ways that I was looking at meditation weren't speaking to the way of, that my mind and body worked. And what I found a bit by accident was that if I would sit and listen to music, I would get into this meditative state, right? And not just any music. It wasn't like, hey, I'm going to listen to binaural beats or I'm going to listen to, I found by accident that the music that got me there was the violin, that I can sit there. And particularly in the evenings, um, I'm listening to the violin and I just go into this state and that experience, which everybody described to me that if I did any kind of these meditative techniques that didn't work for me, I got that effect through listening to the violin. So what, what I'd encourage you to do is it's the experimentation. And you may not like right away say like, well, um, I, I, I know it at first sight, this technique, but this is where the experimentation comes in. Try something, try like, and then if that's not working and keep trying, because I think what happens that I see so often is that people look for um, or or people try to, if you go out looking, try to sell you on, this is the technique. It's going to work for you, man. It's going to take care of things. And I was disappointed over and over and over again because, yes, well, that worked. It may work for almost everybody else, but it didn't work for me. And I was the only one that can find it. And through experimentation, I found the things that work for me. So uh, I encourage you to look at, dig deeper. What is it that you're trying to eliminate? And then search in that area around whether it's a limiting belief or something, find and do a search of resources and, and dabble and experiment because only you can find the tool. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, and I agree with Mark on that. You know, it's I've gotten to the point where I'm at by uh, exploring and having an inquisitive mind as to how I'm going to reach the the goals I want to reach. So, you know, moving uh, out from a state of anxiety, how do I do that? And it's just working on different uh, in different ways and different processes and just sticking with it and doing the work then will get you there. So if you do the work and you take the steps and this is manifestation in itself. If you set the intention to, for example, deal with these things and you ask yourself the question, how am I going to do this? Then you're, you are compelled to get an answer and you will manifest the ways to do that. Right? Absolutely. Sean, go ahead. And we'll go to Sean and then uh, we are going to close up session today. So Sean, go ahead. Hello, Mark. I yeah. come also from a scientific background 
And we have a tendency to, to, to doubt what's happening in order to become more observant of the positives and negatives. How can we dabble in the experimentation with that particular mind I do have? It's automatic with me. It helps me when I'm in a negative situation to see the positive, but also draws me to the negative when I'm in a positive state without creating the negative while we're thinking about it. Yeah, the, um, we, we come to any experiment with bias, right? So we, 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 we have these, um, it's in the kind of the lab kind of world or whatever. It's like we have these noise variables and controlling for those noise variables is, is really important. And as the individual running the experiment, and this is you know where you can go into um, in the quantum physics, the observer is affecting the result, right? So mm -hmm. it, it is really important to, at, at a time, maybe to really tighten the scope of the experiment so that the biases become easier to control. If it's the bigger the experiment, the biases, the doubts, these other things that come in um, can become more of an effect. But the, so in the design of the experiment, knowing that this noise variable comes in, it's important that you set up a scenario at which you can, at the very least, either understand that the bias came in. And if, and if we're always running on a, like a worry, like I'm all, again, it's the counter program. So if I have the counter program running, um, going back and saying, why is this program so strong? Right. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm fueling it out of something and understanding mm -hmm. where the fuel is. And it could be an exper an experience from the past. It could be go, it could go far back. Right. But at, at the end of the day, because when you run an experiment, you can sometimes get a result. Sometimes like, that's why I said, there's, if we knew what the result was going to be, we would, we wouldn't be running experiment. Yeah, I've run some experiments where the result and the process, there's been some big crashes, like the, the process goes down, you make a big like, okay, that burns you, right? So you're like the next time, but you have to then say, okay, what happened, right? And analyze. So wherever that bias is coming or that other side, that negativity, it really comes, you have to shine the light on and understand it and then design around it or, or eliminate you know, as much as you can, but in a, in the noisy world, we can't always eliminate, but we have to understand it's there and we have to design around it. And then through time, small steps, small experiments, can we re reduce that bias because we've now have these other learnings, but it's not, it's not simple. And actually there was a, I read this, um, or listened to this podcast a number of years ago. And I, I, uh, and I think it was, um, a scientist from Harvard, and he was explaining that there is a, um, there's a crisis of replicating experiments in the world, right? You know, so science is always based on if I do something, somebody ought to independently be able to corroborate it, right? But what's happening is if you think about the law, if somebody has another bias that it doesn't work this way, they can completely get a different result, even though they're kind of set up. So to me, it's almost like understandable, which then comes Exactly to your point, John, you, we all get like, oh, I can't, no one can replicate this. Well, if our world 
really is affected by how we see it, then on any given day, you could actually see it and run the experiment and get a different result. So it is not, a, it is not an easy point, but the your point is your point is actually to use that as an observer in the experiment as opposed to making an experiment. Well, yes, yeah, you everything that comes out. If you're like, okay, I just ran this result, and my what I was running in my mind affected the result. So you you yeah. now had another variable. Okay, well, if you can't control that variable, if it's always coming in, then you're always going to have your experiments affected now and i'm not the expert let's say if you have a deep like say there's some deep trauma or some whatever it is back there like i'm not saying i'm coming here that the expert to help you go fix that the first step though if you can see it as the observer and you can see it coming in and just like we were talking with rohit you can go back and now say who's the person that can help me take care of this experiment. Like in out in the world of manufacturing, there may be an equipment issue. It may be electrical. It may be mechanical. It may be processed. Well, you don't go to the same person to fix all of those, right? So it's the same way. But as the observer, seeing it, you, you have to first see it before you can fix it. Address so it. what you're describing is you're, you're well on your way because you're aware that these things are coming in. How many people don't even spend the time and they're like completely random. Then they just like, okay, well, I'm going to uh, hopefully tomorrow it'll be a better result. Right. So you're on the track to know, right. And that mindset of a scientist is if we just take a little bit of that, if everybody takes a little bit out of way to stop and become aware, so many things can, can improve much more quickly. And also ask yourself, why are you judging something good or bad? You know, if you see a failure in an experiment, then you'll stop there because, oh, I failed. So there you stop. But that's part of the experimentation is to fail because the failures will then lead you to the success. Well, the other thing, um, I, I think, uh, Christopher, what, what Sean's talking about, there'd be so often back, you know, a number of years ago, I was working in, um, in a company that had manufacturing sites all over the world. And it would be like the laws of physics were different everywhere, right? So you'd go in and somebody would be like, okay, we're going to run this experiment. But their mind, they did not want the result to come out that way. So they would not, when I was there, we would get the science to work the way it should. I'd leave and they say, it doesn't work because they didn't want it to work. And then you have to go back and say why, because they wanted to do, and that invariably just some people preferred to be the firefighter who came in because they got a lot of kudos. They got a lot of hats on the back to fix something when it was broken. Right. But the only way you can continue to get that feeling is for the process to keep breaking itself. Right. So to actually stop the process so it doesn't do that. Right. And, and eliminate the problem, it would take away some of what their incentive was to be the, to be the person, the firefighter. Right. That's just one example. They had another program running that because they wanted something else, they affected that they would say, well, the science doesn't work. And I'm like, I can't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Laws of physics are the same in Oregon or China or um, the UK or uh, here in Pennsylvania, right? The variable is your mindset on what you, you want the process to do. And that, that to me became so clear. And I've taken that learning out here. We all face, Sean, what you're saying right? But you're acknowledging it. 
Now, that doesn't make it easy to eliminate, but at least you see it, right? And you want to do something about it. And the acknowledgement is the first step. Thank you, Mark. So, so, thank you, Mark. So coming to Christopher's remark, a better test would be to have a reset mind, but that's not going to really happen. And so interpreting it not as a failure, but as a lecture on ourselves in the mirror of the experiment is where Christopher is leading us to get the juice, yeah, which, then, which Mark calls the steps. Yeah, and it's a, it's a matter, every experience, it's not about you learning about the external, it's you learning about yourself. <laughs> so we, we walk through life and we're like, oh yeah, I'm never gonna deal with that person because I got burnt, right? Rather than- That's looking, the reset problem. Yeah. Yeah, because I got than, burned. Yeah, rather than looking at ourselves and see, how did I react to that person uh, cheating me? What is it that within me that attracts that experience to me? And seeing how, how can I heal that aspect within me that attracts that experience to me? And the courage of seeing it and moving forward as Mark suggested. Yeah. It's courage. And, and it's in the courage. personal world, <laughs> reset a lot of times is the word forgiveness, right? And in the, in the non world, it, it's like every, it's like almost like you have a short memory, right? I'm not going to allow the, like, oh, that, the, the train wreck that occurred in that process. And I watched this happen. When I understand it, I allow the emotion to go away and say, okay, now that I understand it, the next thing I'm going to take that learning and, and we're, and we're going to make progress. So, you know, you, you, you know, you can't make an omelet without cracking a few eggs. For sure. I'll try to go with that then. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. So, Mark, how do people uh, get hold of you? Where do I find you? And, uh, you know, your, your book, uh, uh, Unleash Your F uh, Future, you can buy on Amazon or in your local bookstore. I yep, you can buy it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere online. Actually, um, we're, we're, you know, kind of in this Santa Claus theme, we've reduced the Kindle price. Uh, down to a dollar ninety nine between now the, like, through the holidays, and you know really want to get this message out. So you can uh, on Amazon. Um, encourage you to go there, and uh, yeah, you get a, a bit deeper into all these things. You can find me on uh, newscienceofsuccess.com. Uh, a lot about you can contact me through there. And coming up on December sixth, and uh, you know, Christopher will uh, will be there, and uh, Barbie. Um, I'm having a summit. Um, the Mind Acceleration Summit on December 6th. And I'm sure Christopher will be sharing some information on that. You'll be able to register and it's going to bring a lot of different minds together to kind of further, you know, this conversation. Um, and it's really about once you start to understand how things happen, you're going to want to move faster. And there's a way to move faster, which isn't this quick fix. You can accelerate, but we're going to talk about how you, you, you integrate the law of attraction um, uh, with a couple other universal laws so that you can accelerate. Excellent, Mark. Appreciate that. Uh, so, yeah, anybody who wants to reach out to Mark, you will also want to, I, I'm, I'm going to put his details in the uh, Telegram group so you can access them there. And uh, for now, I'm uh, thanking Mark. I will... Uh, we're all looking forward to the uh, Mind Acceleration Summit and uh, see what wisdom comes out of that. And uh, yeah, no, thank you for showing up here to Mark, uh, today, Mark, and uh, sharing your wisdom and uh, a totally different perspective and angle to, to the uh, uh, manifestation process. And I think uh, 
especially a lot of uh, analytical people will uh, uh, now see this process from a completely different perspective and uh, it's going to be a lot of testing going on, I'm sure. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, Christopher. That That's what life's about, right? Experimenting. I, I, I wish you all ha- happy experimentations and I look forward to hearing from you. And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm here to kind of help uh, move hopefully one person at a time, move the world forward to a more um, proactive and intentional way. Thanks a lot. And uh, we'll see you soon. Take care. So now if you're a little more left-brained like I am, then uh, I hope you have a new system for kind of putting numbers towards uh, your efforts, your energy, your focus, your belief and so forth to make sure that you are taking the steps, uh, well, the size of steps that you need to or you can in order to manifest what you want over time. As you heard uh, us discussing, it's also imperative that you do the work with yourself in order to clear the way for the energy to for you to resonate with the uh, experiences that you want to have. So it is important that you do uh, work through your challenges, your limiting beliefs and so forth. And those are the uh, aspects that we work within uh, at uh, the Infinity Life and the Alchemy Experience. So certainly uh, if you would like to explore these aspects, how you can work through and become uh, a master manifester as it were, then uh, please contact us at thealchemyexperience.co.uk for uh, our coaching workshops. Or if you want to learn tools and practices to work through your energy blockages and uh, your core wounding, then uh, visit us at theinfinity.life. Look forward to seeing you soon and uh, look out for our next podcast. Please subscribe and uh, uh, to not miss out on any uh, further episodes. Our episodes are released every Friday morning, 11.11 a.m. GMT or British time. So uh, watch out for that. Take care in the meantime. Bye.